Hello and welcome to This Is Your FBI from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. The Equitable Life Assurance Society presents This Is Your FBI. This Is Your FBI, the official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Presented transcribed as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. Here's a question most fathers of families occasionally ask themselves. Do I have as much life insurance as I ought to have? Couldn't I really afford more? If you've had that thought then you'll be interested in a very flexible type of protection offered by the Equitable Life Assurance Society. It's known as the Equitable Society's Full Freedom Plan. It's designed to fit your budget both now and in the future. I'll have more to say in about 11 minutes on the Equitable Society's Full Freedom Plan. Tonight, the subject of our FBI file, Kidnapping. It's titled, The Corruptors. In connection with tonight's case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, we bring you a message from FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover. Mr. Hoover's words are, and I quote, In every community... There are some men who would like to corrupt the public officials and to profit from that corruption. In a few places, those men have succeeded. And where discovery has been made, there was great publicity given to the venal politicians. That is as it should be, but your FBI wishes to emphasize one important point. For every official found guilty of accepting a bribe or an indirect payoff, There are thousands upon thousands of honest, sincere, hard-working men and women. Those people represent the overwhelming majority who regard public service as a public trust, who give living, everyday proof that democracy does work. Tonight's file opens in a western city. We are in the living room of an old house occupied by Frank Madison and his wife Mary. It is Sunday afternoon, and the Madisons have just returned from church when a visitor drops in. Someone for you, Frank. Be right in. Uh, please, sit down, Mr. Douglas. Well, thank you. You keep a very neat house. Thank you. I'll have Mrs. Douglas call you. You two ought to know each other. Uh-huh. Hello, Mr. Douglas. Well, here comes the town hero now. Got time to chat a few minutes? Sure. Mr. Douglas, can you stay for lunch? No, thanks. Well... I'd better get in the kitchen anyway. I'll see you later. Fine. Now that she's gone, you don't have to bother being pleasant. Huh? I think I know why you're here. It's just a social call. Mr. Douglas, you know I was at the county clerk's office a week ago. Yes, I heard that. I was there with an engineer checking the blueprints and specifications on that bridge you're building. So I understand. Then I went over and got a few samples of the materials you're using. Your wife seems to be a very nice girl. Let's stay with the subject, huh? I took the samples to a lab and got a report yesterday. The report says you're cheating on material. 
Son, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. You admit it? Over here between friends, sure. Frank, when you were called back into the army a couple of years ago, you were a garage mechanic, a grease monkey. That's right. When you got out of that army hospital and came home, all of us in town were grateful to you. So grateful, we chipped in and bought you your own garage. You don't have to remind me. I'm reminding you for a purpose. What's that? Who do you think bought you that garage? Why, the people of Jefferson County. In a way, they did. In a way? Well, those things don't happen by accident. Somebody has to do the work, collect the contributions, ring doorbells, remind people to give. You know, keep the ball rolling. My Sunflower Social Club did that job. In other words, Walter Douglas gave me the garage. That's right. And now Walter Douglas wants me to return the favor and forget about that report. That's a crude way of putting it, but it covers the subject. I can't do it. Why not? I've just been elected city chairman of the Better Government Group. You mixed up with that crackpot Frederick Baker? Our opinions about Mr. Baker don't match. All right, all right, son. I'll sweeten the kitty. Forget the report, and you'll get the repair business on every truck the city operates. Sorry, Mr. Douglas. How much do you want? I guess you can't understand what I'm saying. You must have a price. You better go, Mr. Douglas. Frank, let me give you a little advice. I said and... you'd better go. You'll find it dangerous fighting my organization. I don't scare that easy. Now get out. Is Phil here yet? Yes, sir. Have him come in, then get me Buddy up at the cabin. Right away. I would have got here quicker, but... All right, Phil. Just sit down and listen. Okay. I've got a job for you. I sure can use the dough. You know the garage at Main and Fifth? Sure. I remember the guy's a friend of yours, so I stopped there for gas. You ever been inside? Two weeks ago when I had a flat fix. Good. Now, do you remember doing a job for me a few years ago on the turnpike? Uh, the fire? Yes. I want the same kind of job done again. What, that guy from the garage? He's a friend of yours. Phil, if I ever get time, I'll explain it to you. Right now, I'm giving you an order for a job. Understand? Oh, sure, sure. Good. You want the whole place to burn? Not quite. Uh, maybe a one-alarm fire so it'll burn a little, but they'll get there in time to put it out, huh? Exactly. When? Within the next 48 hours. All right. Tomorrow night. Hello. Hello, Mr. Douglas. Oh, buddy. Glad I got through to you. You coming up? No, but uh, Phil will be there tomorrow night. Have the cabin ready for him. Well, Phil, stay at the cabin in about a week. Okay. And don't forget, not too big a fire. Just enough to scare the boy. A few days later, at the FBI field office in the nearby city, Special Agent Jim Taylor greets an old friend. Frank, it's real good to see you again. Thanks, Jim. What brings you into the city? I'm looking for some help. Well, congratulations. If you need more help, the garage must be doing plenty of business. <laughs> I'm talking about the SOS kind. Oh? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I was elected city chairman of the local Better Government Group. Hey, that's a good outfit. 
Well, my first project was to look into the bridge being built in town by Walter Douglas. Oh, did you find anything interesting? I just got a lab report back on some of the materials he's using. And? The bridge will be a public menace. That bad, huh? Yeah. Then last Sunday, Douglas came to the house and warned me it'd be dangerous to tangle with him. Uh-huh. Any witnesses? No, Mary was in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And last night, there was a fire in my garage. Any idea how it started, Frank? Sure. One of Douglas's hoodlums came in and put a torch to the place. Can you prove that? Well, somebody sneaked in and slugged my nightman and then started the fire. Who else would have a reason but Douglas? Well, unfortunately, Frank, motive isn't proof. I didn't see who did the slugging, neither did my nightman. But does that mean I just have to forget about it? No, no. Can you help me, Jim? Officially, no, Frank. We have no jurisdiction. Yeah, that's right. You know, I think I'll talk to the city attorney. Maybe he can take action to prevent the city from paying Douglas any more of the taxpayers' money until the matter comes to court. Yeah, you might try that. And let me know how you make out. Okay, Jim. Oh, and Frank, give my regards to Mary. Come in, Phil. I've got another job for you. Good. You're taking a trip. Where? Back up to the cabin. Swell. Buddy stuck me for 30 bucks last weekend, Jim. You'll have company going up this time. Who? Now, listen to this carefully, Phil. Yeah. I can't afford to have any mistakes. I'll be real careful. On your way up to the cabin, you go through a town called Medford. Yeah, I I know the place. Frederick Baker lives there. He's head of that better government group. Uh, The one the guy from the garage is hooked up with? That's right. You want me to burn Mr. Baker's house? No. Just go to a phone booth in Medford, call Western Union, and send this telegram to Frank Madison. Uh-huh. It says a car will pick Madison up, and it's signed with Baker's name. Uh, why do we have to go anyplace? I can call the guy now and say I'm Baker. You and Baker sound different, even on a phone. Uh-huh. Do it my way. Okay. After you send the wire, go to the cabin and have Buddy drive you down here. I got you. Then pick up Madison, blindfold him, and keep him at the cabin till his case comes up. A man like Walter Douglas, with a large business at stake, a business built on political corruption, will go to any lengths to protect his position. To people like him, good government groups are always a nuisance. But because of public apathy, rarely more than a nuisance. This time, though, the young returned veteran constituted a threat. A threat that had to be taken care of. Hi. Is that you, Frank? Yeah. Was there any more trouble? Why'd you close early tonight? What happened? (laughs) Whoa, one question at a time. You're all right. That's all I care about. Has Mr. Baker's car been here? No. Why? I got a wire at the garage from Mr. Baker saying his car had picked me up here at 7. Seven? Well, it's almost that. Now, won't you have time for dinner, dear? Afraid not. Well, I'll run up and pack your bag. You grab a bite anyway. Oh, I'm not very hungry. What suit do you want to take? Huh? Oh, none. I'll be back tonight. What do you suppose he wants? Maybe he's dug up something else about Douglas. Oh. If I do have to stay overnight, I'll call you, dear. All right. Oh, there's a car in the driveway now. Must be Mr. Baker's. Now, you take care you don't catch cold again. I will. And you tell Mr. Baker. I think he's real mean. Why? Inviting you and not me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll tell him. Mr. Madison? Yeah. Are you from Mr. Baker? Yeah, that's right. Bye, dear. Bye. 
try to wait up. Okay. Are we stopping to pick up anybody else? No, Mr. Baker just wants to see you. It must be important. Yeah. Hey, you need a little air in that back tire. Yeah, I sure do. Where do you want to sit, Mr. Madison? Back or front? I'll sit up front with you. Okay. Go on, go ahead. Thanks. Nice work, Phil. Come on, buddy. It's getting late, and we still got to burn the rest of this bum's garage. We will return shortly to tonight's case from the official files of the FBI. At the opening of the program, I mentioned the Equitable Society's full freedom plan. Now let's briefly discuss what such a plan can mean to you and your future. In the first place, the chances are that this plan represents something entirely new to you in the way of life insurance. The Equitable Full Freedom Plan does just what its name implies. Gives you far greater freedom than most policies you're now familiar with. First, freedom from worry. From worry about how you're going to keep this policy in force in future years. That is correct. This plan is designed to fit your budget both now and in the future. For the first five years that the plan is in force, you're in what might be called the make-up-your-mind period. During these years, the cost of the plan is tailored to your present income and outgo. All right? The five-year make-up-your-mind period comes to an end. What happens then? That's the second freedom of the plan. The Equitable Life Assurance Society gives you full freedom of choice. Yes, full freedom means exactly what it says. Your policy can be converted into a wide variety of Equitable Society life insurance plans. Retirement income for you, an educational fund for your children. It can meet practically any insurance need that arises. If necessary, the premium can even be reduced about 35% for the same face amount of protection. In any event, you have five full years to make up your mind. And during all that time, you have the peace of mind that comes to every father and mother from the knowledge that your loved ones have the life insurance protection they need. That's the best freedom of all of an equitable, full freedom plan. Freedom from worry about what might happen to your family if the breadwinner should die. In your community lives a man who'll be glad to give you the good news on the cost of an equitable, full freedom plan. Consult your local telephone directory for the number of your local Equitable Society representative. Or send a postcard care of this station to Equitable. That's E-Q-U-I-T-A-B-L-E. The Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. And now back to the FBI file, The Corruptors. The Federal Bureau of Investigation has been asked many times why it doesn't move into a community like the one in tonight's case and clean out the corrupting influences. The answer is that your FBI is a law enforcement agency, not a vigilante group. It operates within the strict framework of federal law. When the facts show a violation of one of the federal statutes over which your FBI has jurisdiction, it takes action. In that lies your guarantee that your FBI will remain a servant of the people. Any federal law enforcement agency which moved into communities to handle strictly local problems would be on its way toward becoming a national police force, a goal for which your FBI has no ambitions. 
The time has come for some straight thinking on the subject of responsibility. All too frequently in recent years, when local pressures have mounted, some people have cried that conditions called for intervention by the federal government. Your FBI tells you that on the basis of its experience, the federal government can never be a satisfactory substitute for local self-government in the enforcement field. Deplorable conditions have been exposed in some communities, but it is not the system which was at fault. It was the people responsible for its functioning. And more important, the citizens who failed to raise their voices or to exercise their responsibility at the ballot box. Tonight's file continues in the living room of the Madison home. Special Agent Jim Taylor is there with Mrs. Madison. Oh, Jim. It's all right, Mary. Now, come on, get a hold of you. Try to answer a few questions for me, huh? I'll try. Now, you told me on the phone that a man came by last night and picked Frank up. Uh-huh. Did you see him? Yes. Can you describe him? I didn't pay any attention to him. Well, he wasn't Mr. Baker's chauffeur. I checked. Baker didn't send Frank any wire. I know. He didn't know when you talked to me. I called Mr. Baker, too. I, I forgot to tell you. Uh-huh. Mary, anything else you forgot? I don't know. Can you describe the car that came for Frank? It was a black sedan. That's all I could see. Did you watch it pull out of the driveway? It turned left and went across the bridge. Are you sure of that? I could see it all the way. Well, then it had to cross the state line. That gives us jurisdiction. Now, Mary, try to remember this. It's very important. Has any car been in the driveway since Frank left? No. Good. And that was the only car in the driveway yesterday. Well, then maybe we've got something to work on. Can you find Frank? I don't know, Mary, but there are clear tire tracks in the shoulders of your driveway. And there's some loose red clay that probably came off of that car. What good is that? Well, I'll make cast of the tire tracks and have the lab check on that clay. Please, Jim. Please find him. We'll do our best, Mary. I'll call you the minute we have any word. Phil, how was everything when you left? Fine, I got Buddy hooked for $26. I'm talking about Frank Madison. Oh, he's okay. Uh, when does the case come up? Wednesday afternoon. When Madison don't show up, what happens? The judge will either throw it out or postpone it. Even if he postpones it, I think Madison will be willing to forget his charges. Should I work on him a little? No, it's important that he comes home without any marks. Okay. Another thing that's important... You're sure he was blindfolded all during the ride to the cabin? Uh-huh. After I slugged him, I taped his eye. Good. <laughs> when he come to, he thought he was blind. Then he'll never be able to direct anybody to the cabin after we release him. You gonna let him go? I don't need him after his case comes up. Oh. On Thursday, have Buddy drive him down near Medford and let him out. Tell Buddy to be sure his eyes are still taped. Okay. Then tell Buddy to take a trip. Where? Any place as long as it's far. Well, how long do you want him to stay under? I'll get word to him when it's safe to return. Mm. I, I just want to make sure I got everything right. On Thursday, we take Madison... No, to... Phil. Not you. Buddy takes him alone. Well, what difference does it make? Madison knows I was in on the job. He what? He knows I was in on the job. How? Well, like I told you, he thought he was blind when he come to in the car the other night. Yes? So he just sat there. Me and Buddy were talking, and all of a sudden, Madison turns and says... Hello, Phil. Oh, no. Uh, what's the matter? Why didn't you tell me that? Why did you wait three whole days? Well, I didn't see it till just now. 
Oh. I figured I couldn't write you a letter about it because... Quiet. Did I blow something? Listen to me, Phil. And listen carefully. Okay. I've got another job for you. Oh, thanks. That shows you ain't sore. If Madison knows you helped kidnap him, he can tie me into the job. Well, what do you want me to do? You know the ledge behind the cabin? Sure. Is Madison still blindfolded? Yeah. All right. Drive back to the cabin. Tell Madison you want to take a walk with him. Tell him the exercise will be good for him. What happens then? Do I have to draw pictures? Go for a walk with Madison. When you get to the cliff, let him keep on walking. There's snow in that canyon. Nobody will find the body until spring. Time is a factor in every investigation, an element which at first favors the criminal. He decides when and where a crime will be committed, and only after that does the investigation begin. In this case, the FBI crime laboratory reported on the tire track impressions and told Agent Taylor what brand of tire made them. The petrographic section examined the samples of clay from Madison's driveway, and while they worked, time was operating in Walter Douglas's favor. Jim, is there any news? Not yet, Mary. We're working. Can't anything be done? Well, I've been over at the Hall of Records all morning, checking deeds to see if Walter Douglas owned any property. He's the one who kidnapped Frank, isn't he? We're not sure, but he's obviously the logical suspect. I know he did. I know it. Well, if it was Douglas, he's holding Frank at a place that isn't registered in his name. What about those hoodlums of his? I've checked their names too, Mary. No luck. Oh. I did run across one interesting thing, a picture of Douglas and the files down at the journal. It was taken on a hunting trip up at Mount Bell. Can't you just arrest Douglas? Not without evidence, Mary, No. But I sent word about Mount Bell to our lab. Now, look, Mary, why don't you go home and try to get some rest? I can't. All I do is rattle around the house, jump up every time there's a car in the driveway or the front. Pardon me, Mary. Yes? Oh, thanks. Mary, we got a break. They found Frank. No, not yet. This is from the lab. They examined that clay from your driveway and found plant material in it. Lab says that it came from a mountainous region. Mary, you go home and get some sleep. I'm going to Mount Bell. Sure wish she wasn't blindfolded. So do I. Yeah. I'm tired of solitary. How can I get even against myself? Tell me something, will you? You work for Phil or Douglas? Oh, look, not that again, huh? Which one of you set fire to my garage the other night? You got us all wrong. Why don't you be a nice guy and take this tape off my eyes? Somebody's outside. Who's there? Hey, Phil. Okay. Oh, brother, it's cold. Maybe your cars will be hot. Come on, I got them all shuffled. First, I got work. Hello, Phil. Get up, Madison. Phil, what's up? You'll see. Madison, I told you to get up. You shouldn't be so good remembering voices. You almost got me in trouble. With Douglas? Shut up. Did Douglas think he could get away with it? Okay, Madison, you can get up. Brave man. Ain't you got enough? Take this tape off and I'll show you. I like it better this way. Phil, the word was not to mark him up. That's off now. 
Okay, Madison. On your feet. Hey, can I take the next belt? Leave him be. Just one? No! Get his coat. What, are you springing him? Will you get his coat? Okay, okay. Where are we going, Phil? For a walk. You need some exercise. You want me to go, too? You get enough exercise shuffling. Put it on for him, buddy. Okay. Come on. All right, let's get the other arm. Now, he won't catch cold. Thanks. I'll bet you were worried. Madison, I'm going to see how smart you are. I'm going to hold something against your face. You tell me what it is. Feeling? It's cold. That's right. It's a gun. Uh, too bad there ain't a prize. You got the answer. I right, get moving. Drop that gun. Drop it. Oh, no, you... Hey, what is it? Do there. Hold it. Frank, it's me, Jim Taylor. Jim. You all right? Yeah, a little groggy. Where till I handcuff these two together? All right, you, come on. Hold your arm down here. Okay. Frank? It's the name of the man who had the gun. Phil. And this other one here? Buddy. I didn't bell them once. Ask Just him. Just stand still. Uh, Jim, can you get this tape off my eyes? Here, let's have a look. Oh, that's on pretty thick. Yeah, don't I know it? You better wait and have a doctor in town to move it. And also touch up that muscle on your chin. Jim, how'd you ever get here? A car that picked you up left lumps of clay in your driveway. It matched samples our lab had from around here. Where's here? Mount Bell. I went from cabin to cabin till I found a car with tires like the impression that they left in your driveway. You make it sound easy. Well, it was once the lab put me on the right track. You there, buddy. Pick up your pal. Help him out to the car. We're going back to town. Oh, Jim, before we do, lead me to the phone so I can call Mary. Okay, but make it quick. We've got to hurry. Why? This is Wednesday. Your case against Douglas goes on in an hour. Walter Douglas was never tried and convicted of causing Frank Madison to be kidnapped because he committed suicide. His accomplices, Charles Buddy Cook and Philip Young, both received long sentences in a federal penitentiary. And so another crime was prevented, another murder in this country's growing crop of homicides. Prevented by the quick work of your FBI, whose job is your security, but whose even more important job is to protect the civil liberties that you American citizens have under our Constitution. A charter that grants you your right to free speech, your right to freedom of religion, and your rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Your FBI is honored to have so important an assignment, and it means to continue to serve you, the American people, as well in the future as it has in the past. Now a quick review of the Equitable Full Freedom Plan. This plan will have special appeal for two types of people. First, husbands who want more life insurance protection for their families, but who expect income changes in the next few years. For such a man, that make-up-your-mind period of five years is a real lifesaver. This plan also was made to order for people who, in these uncertain times, are not sure just what their life insurance needs will be in a few years. In this plan, you postpone the decision while still reserving full freedom of choice for yourself. For complete information, consult your local telephone directory for the number of your local Equitable Society representative as soon as possible.
Next week, we will dramatize another case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Its subject, murder. Its title, The Phantom Hitchhiker. The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of places or persons, living or dead, is accidental. Tonight, the music was composed and conducted by Frederick Steiner. The author was Jerry D. Lewis. Your narrator was William Woodson, and Special Agent Taylor was played by Stacey Harris. Others in the cast were Ed Begley, Ted DeCorsia, Sam Edwards, Georgia Ellis, and Herb Ellis. This is your FBI, a Jerry Devine production, was directed by Sid Goodwin. This is Larry Keating speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community and inviting you to tune in again next week at the same time when the Equitable Life Assurance Society will bring you another thrilling transcribed story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The Phantom Hitchhiker on This Is Your FBI. Stay tuned for the adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. There's fun for the whole family when Ozzie and Harriet come your way next. This program came to you from Hollywood.